everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Decades Best Podcast. This podcast, if you haven't listened to it yet, in the middle of the row feed, focuses on the best movies of the past decade. This is my Zach's list, and I'm talking to our podcast and middle of the row friends about the movies that I'm planning on potentially writing up as my favorite of the decade. And with Ben so far, who's on this episode today, we're we've I think we've we will have done three episodes. Three or four? Three? Well, if you're counting the next one, it'll be three, I believe. Yeah, three episodes, and you have not seen any of the movies that you've watched prior, which I think is good. Opening Ben's eyes, and then it also gives us a fresh perspective on these movies to see how he feels about them, and he can either agree, disagree, or be not quite sure whether I should be putting these movies into my decade's best canon. This week's episode is a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, Inherent Vice. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is one of my favorite directors, and he has released three movies this decade, and all of them will be on my list. Spoiler. This one I love, but it actually might end up being third. Of his three movies. I know you have a Phantom Thread. What's the other one? The Master. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which very well could be my pick for the movie of the decade. Uh, putting that out there a little early, but it's definitely in the running. Damn. Of his movies, how, how many Paul Thomas Anderson movies have you seen before this one? Uh, this, this might be my first... You hadn't well, Meg, Boogie Nights. Have you seen that? I have not. I know you're. Gonna... Did you see Punch Drunk Love? No. The Adam Sandler one. No. And I know. I... I'm looking up his filmography here via wiki, and I'm not seeing anything. I mean, I, I, yeah. There will be blood. You didn't. I haven't seen that, that either. No, I mean, again, that was like when we had our our Black Swan discussion. It was like I was hmm. not a. I was a more simple kind of just really wanted big explosions, a lot of comedy. And that just didn't seem up my alley at the time. I um, assume if I go to it now, I'd probably get a big kick out of it, but I just, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be interesting. That movie, I would say this is his most accessible movie. Inherent since, Vice or yes. Okay. Inherent Vice since Boogie Nights. I mean, it, it has its weird idiosyncratic, eccentricities of its own but since boogie nights this is the movie i could see most people being able to like sit in and not get distracted potentially if that makes any sense there is a very long scene that i think some people might have got lost in in this movie and that is the big uh, monologue by shasta fay when she pops back up at doc's house and she kind of confesses everything that has been happening with her and is incredibly sad and is one of my favorite performances of the whole decade, I think, is that scene by Catherine Watterson. Yeah, let's give me your general thoughts on Inherent Vice and if you think I'm crazy for uh, considering this one of the best movies of the decade. I certainly don't think you're crazy because I can I can definitely see 
why it could be that high on somebody's on somebody's kind of radar and their their tier but because uh, it reminds me a lot of the big Lebowski where it's just kind of it, mm-hmm. it's it's plot kind of goes all over the place like it just kind of goes where it's gonna go and it follows an interesting character through these bizarre circumstances that just some are of his own making some just happen to him and like the big Lebowski the the plot isn't what matters in this movie it's yeah it's about the interactions he has with the people along the way. So exactly. And you, you aren't alone in that, that I don't know how much you read into the uh, criticism of this movie, but the big Lebowski was a big touching point for a lot of people when this came out in 2014. And I mean, I, I don't want to say it's like, it's like a lesser big Lebowski because it's, it's not the same movie. It, it's different. It just has a very like, you know, just to kind it's, of, it's, it's trying to be less of a comedy, even though I think they're both equally hilarious. I, I wouldn't I mean I I I didn't find it as funny like there's definitely mm-hmm. some some terrific humor like one of the funniest moments I've seen in a movie in a long time was when he sees that the picture of the baby and just has that total reaction which yeah the heroin baby you do not get to see that picture <laughs> thankfully but um but just his reaction is perfect he goes from like 0 to 60 and then right back to 0 and it's amazing but overall like I thought it was good I I definitely wouldn't put it at the top of my list, but I mm-hmm. I can see why. And it's the same people, it's the same reason I can see people who like watch The Big Lebowski and they're like, I'm, I'm not big on it, but I can see why someone else would, mm-hmm. would be big on that. And it's like, I think that's the kind of, and again, I feel like I'm just comparing it to Big Lebowski, but it's not, it's a very, it's, it is a different movie. It has a similar kind of just like crazy structure to it. Walk. I think for me is for my the the big thing for me. I guess was just it. It's it. The characters I thought weren't just weren't as enjoyable as a lot of other movies that I've seen. Like I think Joaquin uh, Phoenix's performance is amazing. He's great. Josh Brolin amazing. Moto Panakeku is just. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, uh, amazing! Like you said, Catherine Waterston, her kind of like her return is incredible. That whole that whole scene is brilliant. But I feel like a lot of the other fluff, I just it just didn't it didn't do it for me. Some of the stuff with Owen Wilson I thought was great. How they just kept running into each other, the their continued meetings were a definite highlight. But overall, I just I think it felt to me it felt a little long. You know, I can appreciate that. I think. <sighs> I think what's really settled into this movie for me, this is probably one of the movies I've most watched since it's came out, I would say. this Rewatching it for this was probably the sixth or seventh time I've seen this movie. And I th- really feel like everything gets better every time you see it. It's even like Joaquin Phoenix, like there's so many small little things that he's doing at all times that just crack me up. But... What was I going to say? I was going to say, I was going to say, you were, oh, the Owen Wilson piece. His arc is the part that made me really fall in love with, and how great this movie was, that it just has, that he, he saves them in the end. And that's what the plot ends up being actually all about, is re- yeah, not- reuniting a father with his little kid blues on his, of his daughter. And I love that line. And I, my heart swells every time he gets to go home at the end of this movie. I don't know. It's for as silly and as outlandish as of a 
movie that this can be. I, it, I just love that it still has this heart at the center of it. And it's and it's it's interesting too because it, it or I like it because it has that kind of no matter like kind of how crazy or weird it gets, it's still like there's still people. They're they're mm-hmm. none of them feel like caricatures or anything. They're they're each each character is you know well written and fleshed out at least. Yeah, you get all of this great little details every time you flash back to Bigfoot's house. You know his home life. Like you get the scene <laughs> what was with it? his it was son, Bigfoot Bjornson or something. Yeah. <laughs> But you get the scene with his son, like, filling up the alcohol for, you know, it's just like, they have this great little bond. And then his wife. Oh, or she takes the just phone. Just ripping yeah. into Doc is fantastic. And Josh Brolin's just nodding along the whole time. He's like, he called me. <laughs> you're you're right. I mean, when you name the best, Brolin is incredible in this movie. Phoenix is incredible in this movie. Watterson is incredible in this movie. And I also love Hong Chow, who plays Jade, who's... Uh, I was trying to remember her name, but yeah. like, yeah. And she, I, I, I liked her stuff, too, because it was just these, like, happenstance, like, oh. Yeah, she and, like, she I'm, pops up the most in the movie, probably. Yeah, she just, just ends up everywhere. And then she just, she's almost kind of like a, a human deus ex, or what is it, deus ex machina? Just yeah. like the, just like whatever they need. It's like, oh, I have the information you're looking for. <laughs> Thanks, Jade, again. Yeah, she kind of she helps pivot the movie quite a few times. Uh, when she mentions the Golden Fang, that's where a lot of things get really <laughs> oh, interesting. It, it was uh, Martin Short as yes. like the just the high as a kite dentist. <laughs> but th- that's what I'm talking about. Like you just, I, I watched this movie about a week ago since we. But you're just making me think like what a scene in this movie doesn't kill. Like the whole Martin Short sequence is incredible. And he just, he creates so much tension in the pacing. And then it like culminates in the car ride where everybody's f- freaking the fuck out. And he's like, <laughs> pay no attention to the package underneath your chair. And <laughs> and then the cops talking about Manson and the Dennis guy is like freaking out of the car. He's like, Charlie Manson's back. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like. But, but so and then then all that stuff also gets tagged on to how Martin Short's character dies off screen and he has two <laughs> and uh, the he, he died in a tragic trampoline accident. And it's like where who? I mean, this is also we should also say this is an adaptation of a Thomas Pinchon novel, which. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yes. Is, is Which the I've, story of that novel like is kind of all over the place as well? Like just yes, kinda... I've actually I read the book. I was so taken by the movie, and I think the the book is just as good. And the Paul Thomas Anderson did an amazing job of like bringing the spirit of that book to the pay or the screen. But does it have like? Does it feel like a Paul Thomas Anderson like movie, or does it just feel like an adaptation? Paul Thomas Anderson doesn't make the same movie twice. Which, unless you count all of his movies are about fathers, except these last two, I guess. He used to have like a real daddy complex. A lot of people gave him trouble for that. Okay. I wouldn't say this or Phantom Thread deals with that. Unless you consider the relationship since it's a little, um, what's it called? Spring, winter, spring relationship. Since it's a young woman with an older man, unless you consider that kind of a daddy well, she, she complex thing, not but. not for this one. I mean, is she that much? No, not younger? in this one. I'm yeah. I'm saying in Phantom Thread. Oh, okay. Phantom Thread. But he doesn't. He's not like Wes Anderson in that 
uh, speaking of another amazing Anderson that came about at the exact same time as this one, where Wes Anderson has a very type of movie as you go through. Now, I, how I, com- I compared this to Boogie Nights in that they feel that they're both big, giant ensemble dramedies that are actually secretly deeply hilarious. But I don't know if you would cons- you would be able to pull out that this was made by the same director necessarily because he's so great at trying something new and different with each of his movies so it's kind of like the like the uh michael keaton of directors never wants to do the same thing (laughs) He, he definitely has some stylistic lanes that he goes through but i would say since punch drunk love he's become less easy to pin down just visually and storytelling wise yeah, because like I the 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 I haven't seen Phantom Thread, but the trailers like that seems like like if you told me it was a completely different director, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like I'd have an mm-hmm. easier time believing that than it's the same guy, you know? Yeah, that movie's equally brilliantly funny and well written, though, and has it's 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 crazy that he can go from such a sprawling cast like this and then pump out. Phantom Thread, which is basically a three-hander between those the main three characters of that movie. One last thing. The guy who Doc meets up with to coordinate the trade of the drugs, who whose daughter is the oh, with, guy Martin was Short the, was with. Yeah. <laughs> his whole his whole like screed against Martin Short's character, Rudy, Dr. Rudy Blatnoid, is just next <laughs> level brilliant writing uh, i mean he's well, when he, when when he, he uh, mentions, taking like, advantage of a young woman with playing show tunes broadway show tunes i'm just like what is happening right now who comes up with this and when he well he also he also mentions mentions the the tragic trampoline accident part yeah. of me is like are we sure it was an accident or <laughs> like was he murdered with a trampoline somehow mm-hmm. That, well, he's got the fang bites too, the golden fang bites potentially too, the copper, <laughs> trace copper things. Um, oh, I love that too. Like that moment where Bjornsson's just shitting on him and just being like, well, you'd have no idea what the. Um, yeah. Uh, like the chemistry. The goal, like, yeah. Yeah, the chemistry of it. And then yeah. he just turns it right around. It's like, well, I learned this. It's like, that's <laughs> awesome. Like. So it's like they're both really good at their jobs, but they're also they're also both like very just they do it very different ways, I guess. Mm-hmm. Also, then throw another Big Lebowski movie. I'd have to imagine. I don't think it's grown as yet, but people who love doing drugs must love this movie. It is <laughs> it is such a, a fugue drug state. Uh, it, it feels like fog moving through, just like Doc seems to be moving through. Yeah, it's like all he's this not out. he's not like going through the world. He's just kind of experiencing it just kind of like there for it so what are the scene what what stood out the most for this movie even it's not your like knockdown masterpiece like i would call it what what are the big scenes that you actually took away and you might have thought about a couple days later with this movie um waterston's return of course Uh i i loved the the kind the kind of moment when uh bjornson saves What's what's his name? What's Joaquin's name? Doc. Um, Doc. He saves Doc. Doc. He saves him, and then just kind of totally betrays him. But that's I, the, are you talking with the end? Yeah, I mean it's. How does he save? Him? He doesn't. Neither saves him nor betrays him. I would say he shows up there. Like yeah, uh, and then doesn't he like plant drugs in the car or whatever? Isn't that 
Yeah, but I think that's that's an interesting thing. That's what I was kind of asking myself, though. I don't know if he's trying. Is he still trying to help him potentially, or does he want him to get in trouble? I don't know. He he seems to like just fucking with him. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's like I like that. That I think that was one of these things. It's this this relationship between the two, mm-hmm. or it's kind of like this mutual respect, but also kind of deep hatred of each other. Well, the thing is, he he knows about Hardigan, which is Owen Wilson's character, I believe. Uh, he, I, does he know that Doc could use these drugs to get Owen Wilson out Coy Harligan, not Hardigan? Does he know that he can use these oh, drugs to, get, him, to, to trade him? You know, uh, I don't know. It, I mean... It's, I think maybe that's left up to the viewer. Like maybe yeah. that's intentional because you could like you could see it like I saw it, or it's just like yeah. what a dick. Or maybe he's expecting he expected Doc to do just that. Yeah. After all these viewings, I I side more and more that they're best buddies. And they then the scene at the, their last scene of the movie too is also crazy, where they have like this mind meld, and they're like <laughs> saying the exact same thing, and they're like connected, and they're both sorry, but then they're wondering why they're sorry. You know, um, yeah. That scene is also incredible. The Puck Beaverton sequence where he gets drugged, and what a fucking tense scene for a movie that has just been like chill. Yeah, and, and then he like, just like has to kill a guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like yeah. bashes his head in four times, and yeah. then one of the best lines in the movie: "Did I hit you?" And he <laughs> shoots the guy. Yeah. And then that that's the other great thing too is like Bigfoot's like, yeah, you I've seen your great shot on the the on the li- firing line. I knew you'd I knew you'd get be okay. I knew you'd get out of it. So um <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much great stuff with those two. But I I think you have to really give props to when I think about who's the best person in this movie, I Joaquin is amazing on his own. But he also gives so much room for everybody else to be great when he interacts with them. It's almost like he kind of just like disappears at times. So when it, when it is a when it's someone else's moment, he really just kind of it's like he almost like fades out of it. So it could be like it's that he's both like part of the focus and then just at the same time he's completely transparent, kind of. Yeah, he really gets like the scenes with like either when he finds when he finds Mickey in the insane asylum or whatever the rehab place in Ohio, <laughs> you know, that's just a great, he gives, he gives him the space to have this great little moment. Reese Witherspoon really gets to shine in her couple scenes. He kind of steps aside and lets her do the thing. But at the same time, he's also, he's never not there either. He's always pushing in and giving his own little perspective on things. Um, yeah, he's just so fucking good in this movie. I loved when he got blindsided by her with like the FBI, and then he's yeah. just like, he's just leaving the room, and they all flip <laughs> each other off at the exact same time. <laughs> uh, Benicio del Toro is also excellent, and him. Yeah, and Joaquin, I didn't even know you he could was watch in a it. whole movie with those two guys just sitting there talking about stuff. Uh, um, it's just like, man, this is, this is exposition, but it sure is entertaining. I know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it literally is just like, what is the Golden Fang and we're going to talk about it for 10 minutes. <laughs> the, the I mean, yeah, the cast just never ceases to amaze me coming through with this. And yeah, I just, I really, really love this movie. And I don't know. It's, I, I could see it sneakingly creep up the way even further higher up. And it is already pretty high up on my list as 
just a movie I could put on at any time and just sit back and relax and enjoy. And while it doesn't have, there's not, outside the these amazing performances, there's not, like, there's no amazing, like, oh my god moment in the movie. But the whole movie is just steadily perfect throughout and is trying to be exactly what it's going to be. I feel like I should try not to hold that against it uh, when it comes to final rankings because I really do think it's a perfect... Well, actually, scratch that. There is one weak spot in the movie for me. Do you have a guess what it might be? It is a character. It's an actor's performance. Mm, I, I mean... You, you like Owen Wilson's character, so I assume you like... No, I like him. Okay, so, yeah. It's, 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 it's Joanna Newsom playing the, his friend slash... She's the narrator, but then is also, like, appears randomly at times. And we're yeah, not really like sure she if been... she's real or not. There's something I... to her performance that just never has clicked with me. And she's not in the movie a lot. And I actually enjoy her when she's narrating... It's when she's on screen that bothers me more. Oh, yeah, because I feel like if you're going to have a narrator who's who's an actual person, it should be uh-huh. like I would have wanted it to be to be Doc. But if you don't want Doc to be the narrator, but it should you could have this this disembodied voice, but it shouldn't be mm-hmm. someone who's so like unimportant to the story. You know, well, there's a like I said, there's there's a lot of speculation that she's a figment of his imagination, too. And uh, a lot of the times when there's a third party in the scene, they don't really they just they don't really her. acknowledge her. I don't think she's acknowledged by anybody but Doc in the film. So um, not that's that that makes the movie more. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing, but that's I don't think it's a clever little thing. I just think it's they needed it's to like, give the voice in his head, his doper ESP, a voice in the movie. <laughs> Who would you pick as your favorite actor in the performance in the movie? I mean, probably Waterston. Okay. Like, I mean, for, I would say, like, for the amount of screen time she had compared to, like, Joaquin Phoenix and mm-hmm. Josh Brolin, she makes the most of it. Uh, she also gets to have the least amount of fun, but doesn't suck the life out of the movie, if that makes any sense. You know, like... Yeah, most like, of her big moments are like the most serious scenes in the movie. Yeah, like they're they're dark, but mm-hmm. she. I mean, I just I really liked it her her performance in general, and I feel like I don't know. I would have liked more of her. Yeah, I, I agree. It would have been interesting to get a little bit, but I think ultimately the. I mean, this is it, it's a doc's perspective, and I yeah. I think if we if we pull if we would have if Anderson would have pulled us out of his. His perspective, it would have felt very jarring to the movie, you know, to flash to, yeah, uh, yeah. to Puck and because they they imply that Puck Beaverton, the Nazi guy, and her were on the same boat and might have even slept together when they were on the Golden Fang together. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, I, I totally see where you're coming from, but I I don't think I'd want him to change that at all. Is there a smaller bit in the movie that you wouldn't? Like it sounds like like your favorite bit of the movie is like you can't miss it um, the the big giant screaming at the baby picture yeah but I mean, is there like, anything that was under the radar that you don't want someone to miss in this movie um the not just the the motu panakeku but the the uh-huh. actual like the his reasoning just for going there wasn't it like oh yeah the respect I, the pancakes are <laughs> shitty but they give me respect and I was just like what. Oh my god! Uh, so, 
and there's a few there's a few little lines like that that they drop and i um and i love when just the look on Owen Wilson's face when when he uh, Doc shows up, like the at second the oh hi at yeah, the oh hi thing. Like, oh my god, you? what the like, fuck? Yeah, like <laughs> so good. That is pretty great. Because uh, was it was I, like my response, like why the fuck do these guys keep finding each other? Like okay, at least they're aware of how weird this is too. <laughs> there's a great little bit in that scene as well. If you in the background, there's like people running from armed security guards in the background when he they're walking him through the <laughs> the commissary and stuff like that um he he Aunt pta finds places to f- slide humor all over this movie um i think i would say is that they can be kind of fast sometimes but the all of doc's notes that he writes down when he's talking to people are fucking brilliant and make like no sense whatsoever it's like <laughs> these notes are not going to be helpful to you <laughs> when you go back and look at it and and that along with just like go back and watch this movie and just next time if you ever watch this movie again just watch joaquin at all times in his face and everything that he's doing it is such a committed performance and it's as committed as he is in the master which I think is probably the best. The It is one of my favorite. It might be my favorite performance ever in a movie is Joaquin Phoenix in The Master, which gets more intense than this movie does. But the, the fact that he can do that, um, he can do this. And another movie that's very high on my list is Spike Jones's Her, which is just another completely different performance from this guy. I've been a fan of him. I mean, like I haven't seen all of his stuff, but I've loved yeah. Joaquin Phoenix since Gladiator. Like, yeah, and even that is like he's contending with like Russell Crowe, and he's pretty goddamn creepy in that. This this decade though is really gonna be like if I'm gonna pull out one actor, like it's it's probably gonna be him. Oh yeah, because like, you've also got him in. Um, you were uh, never the, really here. Yeah, like, he's amazing in that. That yeah, he's the only reason that movie's as good as it is. Like he just. <laughs> He just holds that whole thing up. Yeah. Yeah. He's 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 fantastic. I liked him in signs. <laughs> he's really great in the Sisters Brothers too, which was an underrated. I still need to see that. And that's got that's got Jake Gyllenhaal. That's like yeah. my favorite actor of all time. So I need go to- in go here's what you need to know going into that movie and why I really want to rewatch it is that that movie is John C. Riley's the star of that movie, which is great, and he's great in it. But I think if you know that going in, that sets your wavelength to enjoy the movie even more. Because you're just, with all, like I said, it's got Joaquin and Gyllenhaal, and then Riz Ahmad's in it too. And you're just never quite sure. Like who you should be really focused on. Who am I supposed to be really focused on? If and when, and you should watch it, um, just know that John C. Riley's the star of that movie. Speaking of John C. Riley, I'd love to... I can't believe he didn't make it. He was Paul Thomas Anderson's kind of muse for his first three movies. He's in all three of his first movies, and I, uh, I'm i kind of bummed they didn't... He could have fit somewhere in this movie as well. Oh, yeah. A movie about, like, stoners and just super yeah. <laughs> weird people? Like, he would have... Yeah. Um, Speaking of Joaquin Phoenix, we still have yet to see his greatest performance of the decade, which will probably be in Joker later this year. I am so excited for that. <laughs> like, there are people like, I'm excited for like that movie Joker. too. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. He could like, he could have a big rubber nose and fucking clown shoes and he would still be the best Joker we're probably ever going to get. Like, oh God, he's going to be, he's going to freaking nail that. I can't wait to see what he does with that. 
Okay, do you have any last thoughts on Inherent Vice? Do you want to, does this make you want to go watch Paul Thomas Anderson movies? I mean, it definitely makes me want to watch Boogie Nights. I yes. don't know about, like, because you're saying this is one of his more, like, approachable. I think all of it, he's such an amazing filmmaker. I, I would definitely say watch Boogie Nights next. And then you're going to watch Magnolia for the podcast this year. Okay. The Master and There Will Be Blood are so fucking good, but those are also the two movies I could see you having the most trouble with because they're just a little more quiet and a little more contemplative, even though they can be intense and, and awesome. I, and I'm too. okay with that stuff. Yeah. Like, I think I'm just picky on like how it's presented, I guess. Yeah. I, I just I have to figure out what my, what my niche for that is. Well, like I said, Boogie Nights is – that should be your next PTA movie. That's the one with Marky Mark, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Mark Wahlberg. And uh, don't let him know you called him that. He might come and punch you. Boogie Nights is like my top number two movie of all time, too. So, Oh, um, right behind uh, Fantastic Mr. Yes. Fox, huh? So but PTA has a chance to have the best movie of this decade, and he has the best movie of the 90s, in my opinion, as well. So, Oh, what was your best in the 90s? Or was that? Oh, Boogie Nights, duh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, this would yeah. be my, That would be my favorite movie for the night, which is... A, crazy to think about but well, no i mean if, if a certain director and you just like you gel with his stuff yeah. i mean that's why i'm so into um martin mcdonough like everything yeah. he makes is just like I, I don't know like it for me it's perfect Got yeah it. thanks for listening to this episode of the decades best podcast you can find us at middleofrow.com me at zach goldenberg wherever you can find that and you can find ben at the grigsby bear at the grigsby bear yeah you can find him on Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, friends. I'm not going to sell what might happen next because I don't know what order I'm going to put these out in. Uh, just remember, the best seats are in the middle of the row. Any day now, I will hear you say goodbye, my love, and you'll be on.